This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. South Island, we went to Omaka, I may not be pronouncing that right, but the uh, crew wanted to see the aerial display there, and it was all about the First World War, and I think people want to go and have a look at it if they can, but being Christmas time, the bloody Red Baron is depicted, <laughs> but unfortunately, I think he was shot down by Australian soldiers, and it's a great scene there that Jackson's done with the soldiers looting the plane for souvenirs. And uh, I just sort of think that it was so well done, Jacqueline. And uh. The other part that intrigued me about Omarka was a scene from World War One, and I think it was probably a blitz, but that was on a screen the size of a wall and the sound and it just makes me think of what's happening in the Gaza Strip over there. Yes, nobody thinks this is a very good idea, and we hope they sort it out very quickly, but it's not looking good at the moment, so let's send them all positives. So it's not surprising you decided to go and look at a really wet place, because I gather that you went down in October to the West Coast. Well, Jacqueline, that was one of the places that I always wanted to get back to and have a look at, but this time we had the kids, or the two grown-up eldest ones, they said, oh, we'll take you down, <laughs> Mum and Dad. And, uh, so, 
Said, when you say kids, they have kids of their own, don't they? And some of those some kids of, have kids as well. So we're talking quite grown-up kids. Grandchildren. But, you know, that was interesting because we sat around the table trying to work it out and Shana said, shame we've sold the ute. We could have gone on that. And Jeff, Sloan's partner, said, we'll take mine, not a problem. So <laughs> oh, lovely. The ute and man alive, it was terrific, Jacqueline. We put everything in. I think we might have had room for the kitchen sink as well. Put on the back. I don't know whether the young people of today would know that expression, but it was, it was great to travel that way anyway. Plenty of room, plenty of power, and the roads down there, Jacqueline, they were marvellous. Not like a Taranaki ones where every, really? every hundred metres might be a pothole. Oh, good heavens. Right. So you... I went across on the ferry. Yep. And from the ferry, which roads were you taking? Where did you end up first? Well, we ended up, of course, in Marlborough. We travelled across mm. to uh, Picton. But uh, we spent our first night in Marlborough. And another interesting thing about some of these places, if you're a farmland's shareholder and got the farmland's card, you can get some discount with that card for your travels in some areas. I say some areas, not all of them. But So that's when we travel to a market because Jeff is a pilot, he's a navigator, Air Force navigator, and there's administration, of course, at uh, Balls at the uh, Ohakia. But uh-huh. he wanted to take us and go to Omaka, and that's where we went through, and that's what we started with this right. morning. It was just terrific. There's all of uh, Sir Peter Jackson's stuff, as he said. He started off with small stuff, and as he got older and uh, more affluent, he bought bigger stuff, and I think in the finish he bought a Sopworth camel from somewhere in the United oh. States. Oh, but you can God, read about you better, it in the book. You better explain that a Stockworth camel is not an animal. No, it's a aircraft, probably a biplane. With I, I don't know. I didn't look that one up. There's that might be the one that Sir Peter has wrecked in a tree, stuck halfway up a tree, oh, and, and oh. that is some of the fascinating stuff you'll see at Omarka from. Uh. Those uh, planes, some of them were suspended. Uh, the other one, there was two where they depicted World War One, And I don't know what the rifle was, but I haven't got a picture of it to identify it, but I'm wondering whether it was a small magazine, Lee Enfield, which is a British firearm, which they were using as anti-aircraft machine guns. But that is how a lot of our weaponry developed. And the other thing we learnt there, the Air Force weren't accommodating to the pilots and somebody had invented the parachute but never got to try it out. And they said, well, if you want to take one of those with you, you can sit on it, put it under the seat. And, of course, all the pilots said, come on, wake up. Where, how the heck are we going to put that on with the planes? Plunging uh, down to the ground, 
level ah. that far off the ground, and when you hit it with a thump, you don't survive. Uh, we all know where they, that's interesting that, you know, our float device are kept behind, below the seat now. But from where, there, you went to where? Well, we travelled from Westport to Deniston Plateau, and I've always wanted to follow up, and I can't think of the lass that wrote the books about the Deniston Rose. They're quite mm. classic, but they go back to the days when they mined in that area. Mm. And from what I understand, broadly speaking, that when those full coal vehicles came down the incline, they pulled the empty ones back up. But at the, right. sa at the same time, they still had to have, I think, what they called a brake man to stop them from getting out of control because some of the uh, workers up there couldn't, well, I suppose in those days they might have been lucky if they could catch a cab up there, right. or let alone ride a horse, but it was easier from what I worked out from the Deniston Rose books that they would get in those empty wagons and go up that way. Right. So that gives you, you know, what Kiwis did to build this country, in particular yeah. that area yeah. where most of them were palms, I think, Jacqueline, because they came out from England to do the mining. Yeah, that would figure. So yeah. did they set up the Deniston Dog? What happened there? The Deniston Dog was a cafe there. Now, I've talked to a lot of people on the coast and um, one of the ones I spoke to was Jamie Klein and I sort of thought well if I'm going down there I'd like to have a chat to him and he might like to have a chat with us and uh, he said I'll meet you at five o'clock at the Deniston Dog, couldn't work out where that was but uh, Jeff being a navigator he soon found that on the <laughs> radar of his Ute, and we drove round there, but we did that trip to Deniston at about oh, four-ish, quarter past four o'clock. We only had a few minutes out there. There was such low cloud, it was wet, it was clammy, and I did take my Canon camera with me, but in the pinch I had to use the uh, phone camera because it was more waterproof than the Canon, so... We got uh, a lot of pictures from there, but uh, we eventually caught up with Jamie at the Deniston Dog, and well, we had a great old yarn there over a beer, and uh, it was his knock-off time, so he was able to have a low alcohol beer with us. So <laughs> one of the things he did say down there, Jacqueline, and I've got to be careful what I say, is that they got problems with water down there, and you didn't sort of think of it until you look at Deniston. There's people living up there. It's 1,500 feet above sea level, that place. They've got to get water to those people. Uh, there's other places on the way. I can't think of some of them at the, off the top of my head. But they've all got to be watered because people are living there, Jacqueline. Yeah, yeah. Infrastructure. New Zealand's problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... We were there, we had a yarn with him, had a great meal at the Deniston Dog, and then we set sail for Greymouth the next day. Uh -huh. And that's when we stopped at the Punakaiki Rocks. And believe it or not, I can't get over it, but they are promoting that 
on the local FM station here, which is Radio Taranaki One, but they're advertising travelling from Christchurch over to Punakaiki to have a look at those rocks. Uh-huh. And the crowd that was there when we were there in the 60s, she was just a forgotten wilderness around that area. You'd just drive through and never think about it. But now, man, she's a, quite a, a metropolis, I suppose you could say, of Punakaiki. Right. Well, good for the regional economy. So Ooh. did you discuss that with Tanya Gibson at Greymouth? Yes, we certainly did. Uh, we had afternoon tea with Tanya. was uh, careful of uh, how we... Uh, talk to these people because uh, some of the people administering our country for local bodies haven't got a great reputation so I was sort of mindful of that but uh, one of the things that uh, Mia Gibson told us was the number of uh, Jaffers and that's just another friendly Aucklander (laughs) (laughs) down to to, um, Greymouth to be Pretty near mortgage-free. Yeah, very good. The place is tremendous. Uh, Sloan, she went out to get something for us after nightfall down there, and she came back with a water fountain. I wanted a picture of that, and I got one during daylight hours. But at night, the thing's lit up, and it changes colour. Fascinating. Ah. Very attractive set up. Lovely. Yeah, so from there, we went out to the Pike River Mine. That was the memorial. I don't think there were many bodies brought out of that place, but then we had a look at the former Brunner coal mining disaster, and that's where 65 men were killed. That was an entire gang that was down the Brunner Mines, but that was in 1896. Uh. Down to Ross, where we caught up with Matt Newton of Precision Helicopters, formerly of Taranaki, and that was a very interesting experience. He's based at the entrance to the Hokitika George, and eventually rendezvoused with Matt. We were made welcome, had a cup of coffee in his container, shared office, whatever you'd like to call it, and uh, he said, would you like, fellas like to go for a ride? We all did except Shona, she wasn't a flying and isn't a flying person. So did you see Father Christmas? Do you believe in Father Christmas? And that's the cue for a song.
This is Jacqueline Roeth. I have the privilege of riding the boundaries this day, and I have Neville Wallace, usual host of Neville Rides the Boundaries for obvious reasons. He's riding shotgun. This is the last show for the season, and we are talking about everything that he has seen and experienced this year. He's been extremely busy riding the boundaries of New Zealand. And so I welcome the host... But today, the guest of the show, Neville Wallace. Neville, lovely that you're here, as you usually are, in truth. But here, riding the boundaries, shotgun with me today. And we've just had that lovely Snoopy Christmas. It's a great introduction to our Christmas edition. And so over to you, Neville, to talk about your experiences and how you feel about that song you've chosen. Well, what I feel about that one, Jacqueline, is that when we went to the South Island, we went to Omaka, I might not be pronouncing that right, but the crew wanted to see the aerial display there, and it was all about the First World War, and I think people want to go and have a look at it if they can, but being Christmas time, the bloody Red Baron is depicted. But unfortunately, I think he was shot down by... Australian soldiers, and it's a great scene there that Jackson's done with the soldiers looting the plane for souvenirs, and uh, I just sort of think that it was so well done, Jacqueline. And uh-huh. The other part that intrigued me about Omarka was a scene from World War One, and I think it was probably a blitz, but that was on a screen the size of a wall and the sound and it just makes me think of what's happening in the Gaza Strip over there. Yes, nobody thinks this is a very good idea, and we hope they sort it out very quickly, but it's not looking good at the moment, so let's send them all positives. So it's not surprising you decided to go and look at a really wet place, because I gather that you went down in October to the West Coast. Well, Jacqueline, that was one of the places... That I always wanted uh-huh. to get back to and have a look at, but this time we had the kids, or the two grown up eldest ones, they said, Oh, we'll take you down, <laughs> Mum and Dad. And, so, uh, said, when you say kids, they have kids of their own, don't they? Yeah, and some of those some kids of have them. kids as well, so we're talking quite grown up kids. <laughs> grandchildren. <laughs> but, um, you know, that was interesting because we sat around the table trying to work it out and Shona said, shame we've sold the ute. We could have gone on that. And Jeff, Sloan's partner, said, we'll take mine, not a problem. So <laughs> Lovely. The ute and man alive, it was terrific, Jacqueline. We put everything in. I think we might have had room for the kitchen sink as well oh. on the back. I don't know whether the young people of today would know that expression, but, um, but was, uh, it was great to travel that way anyway. Plenty of room, plenty of power, and the roads down there, Jacqueline, they were marvellous. Not like a Taranaki ones where every, really? uh, every hundred metres might be a pothole. Oh, good heavens. Right. So you... I went across on the ferry. Yep. And from the ferry, which roads were you taking? Where did you end up first? Well, we ended up, of course, in Marlborough. We travelled across Mm -hmm. to uh, Picton. 
but uh, we spent our first night in Marlborough. And another interesting thing about some of these places, if you're a farmlands shareholder and got the farmlands card, you can get some discount with that card for your travels in some areas. I say some areas, not all of them. But So that's when we travel to a market because Jeff is a pilot, he's a navigator, Air Force navigator, and his administration, of course, at uh, Balls at the uh, Ohakia. But uh-huh. he wanted to take us and go to Omaka, and that's where we went through, and that's what we started with this right. morning. It was just terrific. There's all of uh, Sir Peter Jackson's stuff, as he said. He started off with small stuff, and as he got older and uh, more affluent, he bought bigger stuff, and I think in the finish he bought a Sopworth camel from somewhere in the United oh. States. Oh, but you can read about it in the book. You better explain that a Stockworth camel is not an animal. No, it's a aircraft, probably a biplane. With I, I don't know. I didn't look that one up. There's that might be the one that Sir Peter has wrecked in a tree, stuck halfway up a tree, oh, and, and oh. that is some of the fascinating stuff you'll see at Omarka from. Uh. Those uh, planes, some of them were suspended. Uh, the other one, there was two where they depicted World War One, And I don't know what the rifle was, but I haven't got a picture of it to identify it, but I'm wondering whether it was a small magazine, Lee Enfield, which is a British firearm, which they were using as anti-aircraft machine guns. But that is how a lot of our weaponry developed. And the other thing we learnt there, the Air Force weren't accommodating to the pilots. And somebody had invented the parachute, but never got to try it out. And they said, well, if you want to take one of those with you, you can sit on it, put it under the seat. And, of course, all the pilots said, come on, wake up. Where how the heck are we going to put that on with the planes? Plunging uh, down to the ground, we're uh, not that far off the ground, and when you hit it with a thump, you don't survive. Uh, uh, <clears throat> we all know where they, they... It's interesting that, you know, our float device are kept behind be, below the seat now. But from where there, you went to where? Well, we travelled from Westport to Deniston Plateau, and I've always wanted to... Follow up, and I can't think of the lass that wrote the books about the Denison Rose. They're quite classic, but they go back to the days when they mined in that area. And from what I understand, broadly speaking, that when those full coal vehicles came down the incline, they pulled the empty ones back up. But at the, right. at the same time, they still had to have, I think, what they called a brake man to stop them from getting out of control because some of the uh, workers up there couldn't, well, I suppose in those days they might have been lucky if they could catch a cab up there right. or let alone ride a horse, but it was easier from what I worked out from the Deniston Rose books 
that they would get in those empty wagons and go up that way. Right. So that gives you, you know, what Kiwis did to build this country, in particular yeah. that area yeah. where most of them were palms, I think, Jacqueline, because they came out from England to do the mining. Yeah, that would figure. So yeah. did they set up the Deniston Dog? What happened there? Well, Deniston Dog was a cafe there. Now, I've talked to a lot of people on the coast, and um, one of the ones I spoke to was Jamie Klein, and I sort of thought, well, if I'm going down there, I'd like to have a chat to him, and he might like to have a chat with us, and uh, he said, I'll meet you at 5 o'clock at the Deniston Dog, couldn't work out where that was, but uh, Jeff, being a navigator, he soon found that on the radar of his ute, and we drove round there. But we did that trip to Deniston at about uh, four-ish, quarter past four o'clock. We only had a few minutes out there. There was such low cloud, it was wet, it was clammy. And I did take my Canon camera with me, but in the pinch I had to use the uh, phone camera because it was more waterproof than the Canon. So we got uh, a lot of pictures from there, but uh, we eventually caught up with Jamie at the Deniston Dog. and Well, we had a great old yarn there over a beer, and uh, it was his knock-off time, so he was able to have a low-alcohol beer with us, so... One of the things he did say down there, Jacqueline, and I've got to be careful what I say, is that they got problems with water down there, and you didn't sort of think of it until you look at Deniston. There's people living up there. It's 1,500 feet above sea level, that place. They've got to get water to those people. Uh, there's other places on the way. I can't think of some of them at the, off the top of my head, but they've all got to be watered because... People are living near Jacqueline. Yeah, yeah. Infrastructure, New Zealand's problem. Yeah, yeah. So we were there, we had a yarn with him, had a great meal at the Deniston Dog, and then we set sail for Greymouth the next day. Mm -hmm. And that's when we stopped at the Punakaiki Rocks. And believe it or not, I can't get over it, but they're promoting that on the local FM station here, which is Radio Taranaki one, but they're advertising travelling from Christchurch over to Punakaiki to have a look at those rocks. Uh And the crowd that was there when we were there in the 60s, she was just a forgotten wilderness around that area. You'd just drive through and never think about it, but now... Man, she's a, quite a, a metropolis, I suppose you could say, of Punakaiki. Right, well, good for the regional economy. So oh, did you yes. discuss that with Tanya Gibson at Greymouth? Yes, we certainly did. Uh, we had afternoon tea with Tanya. was uh, careful of uh, how we uh, talk to these people because... Uh, some of the people administering our country for local bodies haven't got a great reputation, so I was sort of mindful of that. But uh, one of the things that uh, Mia Gibson told us was the number of uh, Jaffers, and that's just another friendly Aucklander. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> to, 
down to um, Greymouth to be pretty near mortgage free. Yeah, but very good. The, the place is tremendous. Uh, Sloan, she went out to get something for us after nightfall down there, and she came back with a water fountain. I wanted a picture of that, and I got one during daylight hours. But at night, the things lit up, and it changes colour. Fascinating. Uh, a very attractive setup. Lovely. Yeah, so from there, we went out to the Pike River Mine, that was the memorial. I don't think there were many bodies brought out of that place. But then we had a look at the former Brunner coal mining disaster, and that's where 65 men were killed. That was an entire gang that was down the Brunner mines. But that was in 1896. Uh, down to Ross, where we caught up with Matt Newton of Precision Helicopters, formerly of Taranaki. And that was a very interesting experience. He's based at the entrance to the Hokitika George and eventually rendezvoused with Matt. We were made welcome, had a cup of coffee in his container, shed, office, whatever you'd like to call it. And uh, he said, would you like, fellas like to go for a ride? We all did, except Shona. She wasn't a flying and isn't a flying person. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.